0: This episode of Engineering the Future is brought to you by National Bank, OSPI's official banking partner. National Bank's offer for engineers just got even better, now with exclusive access to virtual healthcare advisory and legal assistance services provided by its official partners. Find out more at nbc.ca engineer.
1: This podcast is brought to you by OSPI, the Ontario Society of Professional Engineers, the advocacy body for professional engineers in the engineering community in Ontario.
0: Today I'm speaking with Rajan Amy, the president and chair of the Ontario Society of Professional Engineers. Rajan is a mechanical engineer with experience working in the automotive and nuclear industries in North America, and is currently working in the consulting world. Rajan, we first met volunteering with OSPI as fellow board directors, and I know we're both passionate about creating a more diverse and inclusive engineering profession in Ontario. Before we talk about the work that we're doing in this space, that effectively you're doing in this space, how did you recognize that diversity and inclusion was an issue in engineering?
1: Hi, Jerome. Well, for me, it was quite clear from the very beginning um, when I go back to my education. So I attended the University of Western Ontario in London, Ontario, great school. But one of the things I realized when I arrived is if you took a snapshot of the university at that point and you looked at all four years of engineering, I was the only black female in the entire engineering school at that time. And um, that was a very daunting experience for me, as I didn't quite expect that to be the case. And that's when I began to suspect that, um, you know, the rest of engineering may have been like this as well. Um, I think there was a part of me that felt that because London, Ontario was a small town, that perhaps maybe more of the diversity would surround the metropolitan areas, such as like Toronto and Montreal. And so I think that there was a little part of me that was hoping that that was the case, However, you know, from my first internship um, in 2001 to when I actually got into the workforce full time up until now, um, that has not really changed. So, you know, it was quite clear to me, I would say around 2015, 2016, that um, there was definitely a problem in the engineering space. Um, and around 2017 is when I really set out to try and figure out why that was and you know what could be done to bring some more diversity into the profession.
0: That's, uh, that's an interesting fact that you brought up there at Western. I actually um, am a fellow graduate of Western University as well. I can remember back at my time there, a lot of, uh, especially in mechanical engineering, mechanical was known as uh, the... Very being very white and very male at the time, and uh, women tended to uh, be in more of the softer engineering fields, such as maybe civil and chemical engineering. But mostly, uh, it was dominated by white women at the time. Um, do you see that shifting or changing um, in connections with uh, engineering graduates today, or your your sense of what the um, engineering student body is currently? Or do you see that we're still at the same stage it was 10, 15, 20 years ago?
1: So unfortunately, I think it's at the same state that it was 15, 20 years ago. And I'll tell you why. Um, I have met in the time since I moved to the Toronto area, I have met a handful of Black engineering graduates from other schools. And it's interesting that whenever I have a conversation with them, it always comes out that they are the only one in their workplace. So even though you have a room, say, full of 10, 15, 20 black engineering graduates, each one is saying that they are the only one in their workplace. So that sort of tells me, you know, that things haven't changed. And it also tells me that it has nothing to do with, you know, places like London, Ontario being less diverse, the point is, is that you have places like Toronto where you have the diversity within a population, but clearly that somehow isn't translating into the engineering profession. And um, around 2017 is when I really, you know, started to try to figure out why for myself, um, because there was a genuine curiosity there. And and I believe a part of me wanted to know what could I possibly do to help. So that really got me started on that journey.
0: Interesting. Um- In the last year or so, we've seen um, a shift, as it were, in the kind of spotlight being um, shone on uh, racial injustices, especially in the United States with all of the um, uprising in the summer, Um, Black Lives Matter movements have gone from being a niche topic to um, having uh, Large swaths of the general public being on board with their message, and the anti-racism demonstrations being seen across the globe, and and being supported by demonstrations in all over Canada and Europe. Um, do you think that this particularly um, shines a light on the engineering profession going forward? Do you think that this could be a catalyst for um, more recognition, maybe a callus for change um, and more understanding of what it is to be um, a minority and and to grapple with white privilege in this day and age? Or do you think this is the time to to wrangle with these issues?
1: Well, I think that we should certainly use the moment as it's happened uh, last summer with George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement and the consciousness that that's really brought to I would say, general populations across the world um, to our advantage um, to use it as a time when we can, you know, talk a lot more about this topic of diversity and inclusion and bring the awareness of the issues to the forefront. Um, As we know, Jerome, it all depends on people. And when you're dealing with people, it really depends on what they want. Um, The reality is, and and not many people would like to acknowledge this, but the reality is is that if you want to make a change, you're going to make a change. And what's been happening is, to me, quite clearly that the population is aware and has always been aware that there's been a problem. It is just that those who have been in, um, let's say, positions of leadership within a lot of these companies, they have gotten there based on their own hard work, some of them based on nepotism. They haven't really done anything wrong. And so for them, as long as, you know, their career trajectories are what they would expect them to be, it's hard to see how um, someone else is being disadvantaged for that. And to be quite frank, I don't think that they really care very much that someone else may be disadvantaged. Uh, disadvantaged, And a lot of it is because um those from underrepresented groups, which would include women, may not necessarily be in their networks. So what I'm trying to say is that they are very far removed from um, the experiences of people in underrepresented groups and of women. And so from that perspective, it's really very easy to see how, you know, they are aware of issues, but not necessarily vested in resolving a lot of these issues, if that makes sense. So So, go ahead, Jerome.
0: Okay. Um, That's interesting. So, what do we say to these people that think that there is not a problem with an engineering or any other professional um, vocation, that uh, it's kind of hoopla and it'll die down, and there's only a a small subsect of people that think that there's a problem?
1: Well, I would say to them that this is the point where you get to educate yourself. And that's what makes this whole you know, Black Lives Matter movement and this new consciousness so important. Hey, you know, this is a a new public interest issue that everybody's talking about. Now is the time if you don't understand, you know, you can reach out to organizations like OSP. you can ask for training, you can, you know, network with others and, you know, just start asking those questions to really start to get an understanding of what are some of the problems and, you know, how you can potentially help. Um, I know there are a lot of people out there who are very close to, let's call them social, uh, justice type issues. Um, and they would be very happy, um, in order to, you know, provide answers or to provide assistance wherever they can. So it really is just a matter of those people reaching out and, you know, asking questions, sort of step outside of themselves a little bit and, uh, you know, a little bit uncomfortable. We know it's not going to be easy, but uh, you know this is what we have to do if we want a much more inclusive and cohesive society. We hope you're enjoying this episode so far. At Osby, we're here for you, making sure government, media, and the public are listening to the voice of engineers. You can learn more at osby.on.ca.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um, in addition to serving on Osby's board of directors and now as president, you were the founding chair of the diversity and inclusion task force at OSPI back in 2018. OSPI members came together to discuss diversity and inclusion and to create change. Uh, Knowing that there are barriers in engineering for underrepresented groups beyond just women, what part of this work are you most proud of?
1: Well, quite frankly, I'm really proud of the fact that, you know, the OSPE board around 2018 decided to um, include underrepresented groups in the existing women's uh, committee and really have a diversity and inclusion task force, as you mentioned, that really looked out for the interests of all underrepresented groups, including women. And I say that because I believe it since 1995 that, uh, you know, in general, women and the federal government has been looking for ways in order to make women included much more, um, you know, into society. And when you look at, um, you know, what's happened over the last 20, 25 years, you can actually see that there has been inclusion of women, um, you know, w- both in the private sector and in the public se- sector. And you've seen, um, you know, the brilliant work that they've been able to do as a result. So I think it's really instrumental that OSPI made that decision because what it does is it affords um, you know, the task force to use the lessons learned from a lot of what had been done with women in order to help um, you know move the needle forward for underrepresented groups.
0: Interesting. Uh, do you believe that women are a minority group? and what's your take on that?
1: Really interesting question. So I don't have the stats in front of me, but I've always heard that there's more women in the world than there are men. So from that perspective, <laughs> I don't believe that women are an underrepresented group. I believe that they're a disadvantaged group for obvious reasons because of you know the way that society was set up, et cetera. Um, but definitely they are not um, an underrepresented group.
0: Interesting. So what is the work that's left to do? How do we move forward changing the status quo?
1: Well, there's a lot of work that's left to do, and unfortunately or fortunately. Um, You know, it's not going to happen overnight. And so this is one of the reasons why, you know, through the diversity and inclusion task force, um, we have put together um, an EDI forum, which we usually have every fall. Um, And, you know, we have gotten a lot of sponsorship for that through the federal government and some of our other corporate uh, partners, which is fantastic. And, you know, we always get glowing reviews in order to start the conversation. And, you know, we've had from our first year as a diversity and inclusion uh, group, we've had 800, uh, approximately 800 members in person in attendance. Um, so we've gotten a lot of support for the, for that forum. And, um, you know, we would like to continue building on um, what we've gotten through that medium. And so what we did this fall is, or I should say last fall, so for November of 2020, is we actually launched a campaign called Engineering for Change. Mm -hmm. And you can find the information for that under engineeringforchange.ca. And essentially, it outlines a four-point action plan that OSP is going to be, um, you know, working on or putting forward this year. And that four-point action plan has four steps. So the first step is, is that, We want to take concrete actions in reaffirming that diversity and inclusion remains part of our core values. So that would mean any of our operational work, any events that we put on, we're going to make sure that we have checked the box in terms of diversity and inclusion as best as we can. Second, we will be offering regular diversity and inclusion training to any members of the engineering community who seek it. So this is where Those folks who aren't quite sure what's going on or want to learn more about what some of these potential issues are within diversity and inclusion, this is where they can reach out to us and we would be more than happy to provide that information to them. The third step is that we will be launching a new featured diversity and inclusion champion award this year to honor OSPI members who are making real systemic change. So this is where we would invite you know anyone out there who believes they are doing something significant to move the needle on diversity and inclusion to really reach out to us reach out to our task force make sure that we know about it so that you know they could potentially be rewarded for for their efforts and i mean we would love to hear about how they've accomplished um you know some of the the, the solutions and the wins that uh we we are confident that they're going to get right. and then finally And this is the most important part, is that we are committing to convening a summit of engineering leaders to develop an industry-wide action plan. So we are recognizing that, you know, as OSPI, as the Advocacy Association for um, the Engineering Profession in Ontario, Mm -hmm. that we alone will not be able to do this. So we are inviting All of our partners, all of our corporate sponsors, all of our members, anyone out there who basically hears about what we're doing, if you believe that you can help, if you believe that you can help us to formulate an appropriate action plan that is going to help us to move the needle on this um, as soon as possible and as effectively as possible, we would like to hear from them.
0: Great. Oh, absolutely. Um, I want to. Touch on um, this past fall, um, since the uh, launch of the Equity Diversity and Inclusion Conference, which has been a marquee event for OSPI every year. Um, last fall, it was a virtual conference, mm-hmm. and it attracted around 1,500 engineers and professionals in STEM um, to create awareness for change. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, the conferences before last fall and how uh, the virtual conference actually turned out?
1: Well, so if I if I have my numbers correct, um, let's say maybe 10 years before 2017, every year, OSPI had um, what they call the Claudette mckay um Forum, which was put on by the, um, the Women's Committee, we'll call them, every year. And it basically focused on a lot of the issues that were very important to women. So for example, pay equity, right? Um, and so they would invite a lot of speakers. And I would say on average, um, those forums probably had approximately 50 or less, um, fewer people who would be in attendance. And they were all in-person events because that's you know typically the type of event that be uh, put on. Um, In 2017, so three years ago, that was when um, the decision was made to continue with the spirit of that forum, but to also include underrepresented groups. We wanted to broaden, you know, um, how we were approaching this issue. And quite frankly, a lot of our partners, including the federal government, was very eager to hear about diversity when it includes all underrepresented groups. So our very first uh, forum in 2017 um, had approximately 800, uh, you know, attendees in person in Ottawa at the Shaw Centre downtown Ottawa. Um, very well attended. Um, it's amazing, you
0: know, isn't yeah. that pretty astounding? 800 people for the first it is. for the launch.
1: It is, and I mean, you know, kudos to Ospie staff, for, you know, being able to to get an event of that caliber off the ground. And, you know, the the kudos that it's even brought to our organization from our partners was really good because it aligned with what a lot of our corporate partners were looking to learn more about and really to get a lot of those conversations started. So I would say it's really from um, that very first EDI forum, let's call it, Mm -hmm. you know, when we started to get a lot of traction on these types of issues, um, both inside and outside of the engineering profession, and so since then, um, you know, every year we've added a few more members, you know, but this last November, you know, because of COVID-19, um, we were forced to have that conference virtually. And as you mentioned, um, we had approximately 1500 engineering professionals. I believe there were around 2800, um, you know, uh, people who registered. So we had quite a few people who, we're interested in this inside and outside of the profession. And I have to tell you the number of people who have reached out to me since then being so pleased that, you know, we have, you know, we're taking this so seriously, you know, just tells me that everyone wants a sense of belonging and that's what this gives them. And, you know, I'm also, you know, pleased to say that it's not just people from underrepresented groups. That right. have been attending this. It's you know everyone, and I think you know that's it's a very positive indication that's that yeah, yeah, and and that we you know we can actually get the traction that we want off of doing forums like that.
0: Mm-hmm. You say tra- traction. Um, how do we keep the conversation going between conferences? What happens between in within the year? You know, Christmas time, summertime. What what should we be thinking about to keep the well, conversation going?
1: Yeah, uh, definitely keeping the conversation going would be, um, you know, for those who believe they have subject matter expertise in this area, I would invite them to reach out to, you know, our diversity and inclusion task force. You know, maybe there's something that they can do to help us. Um, you know, Ospie's going to be working on this action plan. So, again, you know, if you're somebody that feels you have, you know, the expertise or some really good ideas of how we can do this, please don't hesitate to reach out um but most importantly as for right now at engineeringforchange.ca we have launched this campaign and on that website there is the ability to tweet so there's a very generic tweet i believe we ask for your name um for your postal code and your email so it's not too intrusive mm-hmm. and you know if you have a twitter account we are asking you to simply just go hit that button Um, And we will tweet for you that you are, in fact, supporting that campaign. So that's something that, you know, we we are inviting everyone to do. And this is how we could continue to keep the conversation going.
0: Great. That's great advice. Um, If you can offer one more piece of advice, um, one thing that you would say to an individual engineer or either someone attempting to be an ally or attempting to combat issues that they're facing personally in the profession, what would you say and what would you suggest?
1: I would definitely advise not to go it alone. Um, so I would invite them to reach out and not necessarily to OSPI, but I would invite them to form a group within their own social circles to really discuss what the issues affecting them are. Um, because this diversity and inclusion problem Um, you know, needs to be approached from a very holistic point of view. And sometimes you need to ensure that you understand and realize the full, um, ramifications of the situation that you're in and to ensure that you may not necessarily be overreacting with regard to, um, whatever you think the general situation might be. I think it's really easy because of how sensitive we are as human beings and, you know, how we, we do a lot of things based off of emotion, where some things can be misconstrued. And so, instead of labeling um, something, systemic racism, or you know, even beginning to utter those words, I really, really suggest that you talk to at least three other people about you know what you're going through and get some some good advice as to how you should potentially proceed.
0: Great, thank you so much for giving great advice today, uh, Rajan and uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule.
1: It was my pleasure. Thanks, Jerome. From all of us at OSPE, the Ontario Society of Professional Engineers, thanks for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.